today on Ovias and Gilio. No Gilio, but no worries. West Durham, ACC Network, ESPN is going to hang out with us because guess what, folks? We're in the middle of July. It means it's college football talking season. OG. 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 It is time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillian. By doing something new, I mean doing something old, but we're bringing it back so it's basically new. Here we go. Let's podcast alongside ESPN's West Durham. I'm Joe Ovius. Oh. We're here in the Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Wes is in the Cartersville location, the remote location. Wes, what's going yeah. on, man? I am good. It's uh, it's great to be with you, and I'm assuming Gilio has a tea time. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gilio, Gilio is actually Gilio is in the tri-state area right now. Oh, is he? Yeah, he texted me in too. Some Carvel ice cream, but <laughs> that fudgy the whale, right? <laughs> so, so he texted me. Yeah, this morning at seven ten. Gambling has been legal in every state since I hit Virginia. And I simply said to him, put the company card away. Exactly. Put the company card. We're doing okay, Joe. Let's don't burn the investment. That's my, <laughs> that's my general attitude. Hey, uh, by the way, a couple points of clarity here before we get started. Yeah. Uh, love the logo. Thank you. I got to send you uh, a sticker. No, no, just wait until Charlotte. You can give me stickers in Charlotte. Okay, and I got, don't, I'll, don't. Have, I'll have cups by then, too. Oh, cups by then. Lovely. What a nice yeah, party man. gift. Yeah, man. Uh, are we O plus G here? Is that what we are? I want to make sure I get all the legal right in this. I don't want to, I don't want to cross any lines that hurt anybody's feelings. Jillio <sighs> and I kind of take the attitude with the logo. Technically, the name of the podcast is Ovias and Jillio. Got it. Okay. That's, yeah. that's technically the name of the podcast. By the okay. way, nice Elon mug. Uh, supporting the Phoenix, by the way, congratulations to Jen Strawley, our new director of athletics, who comes from the University of Miami. Nice. Yeah, thank you. So technically, the name is Ovius and Gilio. We figured yes. we'd, you know, we'd cash in on that SEO. Like, hey, what happened to Ovius and Gilio? Oh, here's this podcast. Here they are. Here they are. And then the rest of it is kind of like how the NBA has 18 different jerseys for a variety of nights, right? Uh, yeah, for a variety of marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a variety of marketing. So that's kind of our general attitude with the O and G. Sometimes I like it's it. O plus G. Sometimes it's O and G. Sometimes it's just OG. Okay. So it's it's all over the place. We're, I like we're, it. We, we got all sorts of colorways. Uh, we kind of we're gonna have T-shirts soon, and we might kind of have some fun with that as well. You know, in terms of how we do the T-shirts and everything else. So I actually want a hat. I want a dad hat with the logo on it. All right. All right. I we will, I, that would be that would be prime. That would be prime real estate for me. I feel like we can talk to our friends at Home Field about coming up with a special <laughs> dad hat because I know they just put out a dad hat. They did, and uh, not to give too much away, but we are we are cooking something with Home Field here God, ahead of the. They're so field. good. They oh, are so great. good. By the way, oh, yeah. Home Field is absolutely fantastic. They got three big drops, by the way, coming this week. Oh, three more. I saw yeah. the Oregon one. Yeah, they got two more behind that. Oh, all right. I'm intrigued. A, I'm, they've done a phenomenal job this summer. So. Well, it's interesting. Kind of bringing up Home Field is a good way to transition to the fact that now that we're past Fourth of July, Wes, mm. we're officially. In the ACC kickoff zone. Yes, we are. You are. ready? Yeah. Um, you ready? Technically, start uh, two weeks from tomorrow. Um, three days. It's a big three day yeah. carnival. As no I like divisions. To no divisions. I mean, it's footloose and fancy free. Um, yeah, I am. I mean, I'm curious. There, there are really only two bottom line questions for me. Who's third in the preseason poll? Okay. And how does how do we analyze what we used to take for for given in the you know kind of the back end of the coastal, which was volatile at best, mm-hmm. um, when we had six and six years or seven and six years or whatever it was, or remember the Atlantic part of the Atlantic used to be just the sacrificial lambs to Clemson right. and whoever else. So what does that look like now that we've taken down the division walls? So really. The two things for me are who's third and who emerges. And I've got some different thoughts about not just third, but really who's going to emerge. And I think, Joe, when you get into it, you've got to look at the conference schedule somebody is playing and what that winning percentage is. Okay. I think Duke is playing uphill. I think Wake Forest is playing uphill because they're playing a tougher conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Louisville is not. 
And Louisville's got a guy who is coaching them who, quite frankly, is capable of a flip switch in 23 in Jeff Brom. They've okay. got enough offensive talent. I think they've got enough defensive wherewithal that they can kind of put that together. So I think those are the, the real two issues you got to find out. Who's the team that's going to emerge out of that stack? And then who's third? Because we know it's going to be Clemson, Florida State. Florida State's going to get some first-place votes, but it's going to be Clemson one, Florida State two. Who is third? I think that's a terrific question in Charlotte. And I'm not sure how much we'll get to the answer of it, but we're all going to have to fill out a ballot and submit somebody. Yeah, it's you're, you're right about the idea that we have to completely rethink our expectations without the divisions. And that sets right. up how we even do kickoff, where it's you mentioned three days. Well, it's three days now because they can spread these coaches out. We don't have an Atlantic day. We don't have a coastal day. And honestly, when you talk about who's going to be third and who has actually the most advantageous schedule and has a decent quarterback, the expectations are right back on Mac Brown in North Carolina. Are they not? They are. And the question for Mac Brown in North Carolina immediately goes to defense. But I also want to engage people on the offensive side of the ball just a touch here. Mm, okay. Well, let's say it's funny you mentioned that because uh, as I was making notes yesterday, okay. I, I wrote down the like, what do we know? What don't we know? Right. Mm-hmm. In terms of sure. the ACC and where things are going. And I, I jotted down for Carolina, like we know Drake May. You know, we know what he's capable of. And we know, but what we don't know is how Chip Lindsay, the new offensive coordinator, is going to take the concepts that work for Phil Longo and the, the old offensive coordinator and implement more of a commitment to a run. That's what they say. That's what they say they want to do. But we hear coaches in talking season all the time say what they want to do. And I, my fear is that it's going to be the Drake May show again, having to bail them out from a defense that has been really, really bad under Mac Brown consistently. And I, I get the idea that there's nowhere to go but up from last mm-hmm. season where they were dead last in the ACC in a lot of categories. Right. There's nowhere to go but up. But, I mean, even if you're marginally better, you're still finding yourself in the same situation for a catastrophic run play or a broken-down pass play, especially with the secondary that's in flux, is going to put Drake May back in a position where they're going to have to win 65-61. Maybe. It's it's in the cards, right? I yeah. mean, it's possible. But look at the leadership and look at the experience that Carolina brings back for the second year of Gene Chizik's administration under mm-hmm. Mac Brown. So you can buy in that Carolina will be better in some respect, okay? There are enough playmakers back at all three levels of the defense, I would think, to be to be improved. Yeah. How much improved against the schedule, Joe, becomes the question. South Carolina, Appalachian State, and Minnesota. I mean, those are three real football teams mm-hmm. to start the season. Now, May is a show, but here's the point I'm asking you about where they are offensively. Do we know for sure how good the wide receivers are going to be. We I think we do. But we, 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 we know some players, but we don't know. I mean, Tez Walker, we we suspect will be very good, right? Uh, terrific transfer. It's amazing. Kent State has flooded college football with wide receivers this year. <laughs> um, it's just what happens in the portal. Kent but State J.J. J.J. Jones comes back. Uh, they've got two tight ends that are proven playmakers. And I'll go back to what you said a moment ago about the run game with Chip Lindsey's emphasis on the run game. Now, I know Chip, full disclosure, okay. used to be the head coach at Laster High School in Cobb County, Georgia, then got his coaching career going, um, worked for Chis- uh, worked for uh, Gus Malzahn at UCF. I think he's a terrific, terrific play caller and designer, and I can see why he and Mike Brown have locked up here together on this mission. Uh, I think he will showcase Drake May because Chip Lindsey's a smart guy. Okay, well, yeah. That's num- yeah. number one. Number two, though, you got to get whatever Chip Lindsey's thoughts are to whatever Drake May's knowledge is and get that on the same page. I'm going to assume a lot of that was accomplished in the spring because Mm -hmm. of May's acumen and experience and poise and what Lindsey's learning curve is with May. So I think Carolina then comes back to what you said a moment ago, and I think this is a point to investigate in Charlotte, at least dig into a little. How are they going to run the ball? And how many guys are they willing to invest to run the ball with? Because, see, that's the other thing. Carolina's not a one-back team. No, Carolina's got three guys. They might have four. Who knows? We may come to August and say they got five guys. I think the ability to run the ball allows May to actually be a better quarterback than he was last year. Sure. Maybe the numbers won't be as good, but I can tell you in dabbling on the Sunday side and the Saturday side, Mm -hmm. 
there are some people at the next level that think he is he and Caleb Williams are one two in some order, but they want to see how May's leadership works when they have a, a, a consistent run game, and he doesn't have to bail them out by making these incredible throws. The reason why the the biggest reason why, despite all of the question marks around North Carolina, uh, and again, mine continue to go back to the defense. It will always sure. be about the defense. The entire tenure of Mac Brown 2.0 has been about hey. I trust your quarterback. I don't, don't know. You can have a dynamic offense. I just don't know if you can make stops. Right. And Gene Chizik 1.0 when he was here in North Carolina under Larry Fedora, I thought did a decent enough job with the bend don't break. We didn't really see that last year. Yeah. And it, it then comes into the question of, all right, well, is it a talent issue or a scheme issue? Well, we know what Gene Chizik wants to do. We've seen it somewhat work at UNC before. So that gets back to a misevaluation of talent and, Look, there were some changes. You know, they made the change Definitely. to bring in Gene Chizik a year ago. Now we've got the Dre Bly changes from this offseason as well. And there were some players, uh, some player attrition because of that. So there's some question marks there. So to me, it always comes back down to can you stop people, which was an issue for them last year. But the schedule, and this is why I say Carolina is probably best positioned to really talk about that third spot behind Clemson and Florida State in the ACC rankings. Their schedule is so favorable. Yes, you start in a Whoa, 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 hold on. What? Favorable early. It's well, I we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So I'm on the football schedules here. If you're watching on YouTube, yeah. you can see the schedule ahead of us. So it's South Carolina neutral, but then you're home against App State, Minnesota at home. You play road games, real road games, four times at Pitt, at Georgia Tech, at Clemson, at NC State. Just four true away games. Right. So you have a lot of favorable matchups against teams that you've historically had success with like Miami and whatnot. Uh, and Duke too, which you again, last minute, this situation, what was the stat that I had seen where uh, again, this gets back to the defense winnable games, all of them, but they're also all losable. The margin for error last year was razor thin seven games decided by four points or fewer. The record right. four and three including that stretch down the uh, at the end where they ended up losing those games as opposed to what happened earlier in the year. I think when they started out 9-1, and one, they had won those games by three points or fewer. Down the stretch, it was losing those games. Yep. So that, that's kind of the margin for error for Carolina, but the schedule is conducive to a good season, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think they're, they're very capable of being the third team behind Florida State and Clemson. Yeah. But they don't have a lot of time for adjustment because I look at those first three. They've got to start strong, then they've got to finish strong. I mean, you you and I both know Clemson NC State at the end is just I mean, those could be those could be warhead games, Joe. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. There's a reason why Mac Brown was complaining about it this past season when the schedule came out. Well, and he saw it before everybody else did and knew it was coming yep. and you know, kind of beat us to the press, if you will. Yeah, um, but, but here's the thing, and I and I said it then. I said it when he when he when he when he foreshadowed what the schedule was going to be sure. and then talked about it when the schedule was out. <laughs> you can't try to elevate Carolina and want to find yourself in positions to play big time football. This is an issue that I usually have with the ACC. This is not a Mac Brown issue specifically. This is an issue I have with ACC coaches sometimes where you talk the talk about elevating the programs. But when you face some adversity in the scheduling, suddenly you're like, well, this isn't fair. Do you think anybody in the SEC care, cares about fairness when they're talking about their schedule? Now, they'll, they'll, the, the good teams, the programs that are actually trying to play for something, will manipulate their schedule by padding a game or two before a big one. I mean, there's a reason right. why Campbell's on North Carolina's schedule later in the season. But I really have little time for coaches that talk about wanting to play for championships and then whining about where their schedule has the more difficult games. You should be playing your best football at that time of the year. You right, should be, that, that'll be a better measure of where you're at at the mm -hmm. end of the season than at the beginning of the season. I agree with that, and I think it's also part of the reason that these two leagues that you just mentioned are still playing eight games. Yeah. It's going to change, though, right? And, and have all the reasons to be playing nine, but are still yeah. only playing eight. TV will, dic TV will dictate that further, though. A checkbook will dictate. Yes, that. I was going to say yeah. there's there there is money considerations <laughs> for the SEC to eventually go to nine because that's what people want to see. Sure, I'm, same I'm, in this league. Same in this league. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Now, I I I caught something really quick before we move on. You said Florida State Clemson. Are you tipping your hand? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm voting Clemson one, Florida State two. Okay. I'm just going to tell you there are going to be people that are going to tell you that Florida State's going to win the league. I think Florida State could win the league, yeah. but I also see 
it's a 44 question for me, not a 22 question. All right. The old, the old coaching adage, you're only as good as your second line guys, right? Sure. And George O'Leary taught me to think of football teams in 44s and not 22s. And I think Clemson's 44 is really good. I think Florida State's 44 is not as good as Clemson's. Gotcha. Now, at some places, Florida State's one is better than Clemson's one. Like, I'll tell you, quarterback. Right now, Jordan Travis is a better player than Kate Clubney. Mm-hmm. Uh, running back, Will Shipley, Trey Benson. It's a push at times. I love Will Shipley, but I think Trey Benson, Trey Benson had a monster season. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say this is, too, I'm looking at Florida State's offensive line. Florida State's offensive line pretty good. Clemson's the last couple of years, we're just not quite sure. Yeah, I got to see a little. I got to see what Garrett Riley's all about when it comes to Clemson's offense, and then maybe I'll be able to push a little harder yeah. on the Tigers' lead on the. Uh, because I'll tell you this now: the one thing I do know about Clemson, boys on the other side of the ball are going to be real football players. Yes, yes, and I feel like what we've seen out of Clemson is not the prettiest of Clemson football. We're we're years removed from you know, the Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, et cetera, right? With some real, some dudes at the wide receiver position. That's something if Jillia were here. Cole Stout, Taj Boyd, that kind of. Yeah, all, all those guys. <laughs> Taj Boyd. Cole, oh man, I forgot about, forgot about him. Anyway, <laughs> so point being, if Jillia were here, he'd be screaming about how they used to have wide receivers. Like, you know, that made yeah. them a hell of a lot easier. Right now, right. the most dynamic skill position player would be Will Shipley. At this point, we don't know about about everybody else, but I do feel that in the last couple of years, Clemson, I feel like this past season for Clemson was a, all right, let's re you had your chance. Let's reestablish ourselves. They won the league again. Now, mind you, they didn't go to the college football playoff, but they won the league again. So there was a small goal that was achieved for Dabo. You had your time. It didn't happen. Now we're, we're taking our corners back. And I feel that uh, Dabo used to talk and talk and talk about how they were going to be doing things differently. It's not lost on me that they actually changed up their offensive coordinator mm-hmm. and they've started to get into the transfer portal, things that necessarily want to do. I think Dabo understands if they're trying to keep up with the Joneses, they have to act like everybody else and they can do it in a yeah. way that the rest of the ACC cannot. I, I agree with that, but he's, he's being chased now by a guy who has been very much in the portal. Mm-hmm. And in Mike Norvell. Yeah. And I think what, and this goes kind of to some of the other things we talk about. I think the biggest commodity the ACC has right now is its coaching. Mm-hmm. I think there's really good football coaching going on in this league. It's recognized by those of us that cover it. Some of it is brand new, relatively speaking, in Norvell. Some of it is a decade old. Dave yeah. Doran, Dave Clawson. I, I think Mike Elko is going to be a very good coach in this league. I think Jeff Halfley had terrific success early and has been bitten by injuries and all sorts of things the last two years. I think yeah. Jeff Halfley is a terrific coach. But in my opinion, Narduzzi, Doran, Clawson are setting a bar for future success of the ACC across the board that Sweeney already set. Mac Brown has achieved, obviously, in his great career. And ones for Brent Pry and Tony Elliott and Jeff Brom and these other guys to play up to as they grow their programs. too. Housekeeping. So you don't want me to mail you a sticker? No, I want it in Charlotte. I want a social media moment. I'll be presented the sticker. By the way, I've already received my first NIL from the Ovius and Gilio uh, podcast. (laughs) Very excited about that. Enjoy enjoy the coffee. Uh, Don't Uh, worry. It's right here. (laughs) Yes. We have a budget. You know, we're not going to like, there's only so many freebies and favors we can ask for. It's my first NIL. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, we, uh, if you emailed me about stickers, I put in the next batch of stickers in the mail today. I already ran out of stickers. So I underestimated demand. So I went ahead and I just bought, I bought like 200 stickers over the weekend. I'll expense that. And we'll uh, we'll be getting those out as soon as possible. Meanwhile, Gilio's burning the company card on the mobile betting going up to the trust. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a problem. That's a problem. He should be doing these things. Well, he bets the home run derby tonight. <sighs> he pro- yeah, he probably will. There's no question. Yeah, he probably will. He, he probably will. Okay. Yeah, no. Now, look, if you wanted to use the company card and go get some signature steak tips at the butcher's market, Ooh. then I'm all about it. 
So shout out to the Butcher's Market. You got locations across the triangle. It's gross outside, but summer's still rolling on and you want to go out there and you want to grill and the Butcher's Market has what you need. But maybe you're like, ah, you know what? It's been rainy. I don't have time to grill, but I still want to check out the Butcher's Market. They got prepared meals, a lot of great sides, and the sandwiches are good too. So drop on by for lunch and get you a sandwich from the Butcher's Market. And shout out to Breeze Through. Uh, we've jillio has got, so we had tumblers at one point, Wes. We, we can't afford tumblers right now, which is fine, which is why I got plastic stadium cups to give away. But sure. Breeze Through has these amazing tumblers. I'm not going to reach across the table from in Joe's position here, but he's got the tumbler right there that has lifetime refills that comes with the tumbler. We're cooking up ways to give away our own versions of these tumblers to listeners in a mixtape remix type thing. And wow. so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, drop on by Breeze Through throughout North Carolina it is prime summer season for concerts at Walnut Creek. They got a uh, breeze through just outside there. So pick up some last minute drinks, ice, food, snacks, et cetera. Hydrate too. Get those bottles of water. I'm going to be in the All Old that. North State this week. I'm going to be uh, looking for a breeze through. I heard a rumor yesterday that you were going to be in town. I feel I'm like gonna a, I'm going to be around town. You're going to be around town. Okay. I'm going to be around. Well, let me put it this way. I'll be in Charlotte. I'll be in the triad. I'll be in the sand Hills. All right. I'll be north of Wilmington, perhaps later this week for a few when days. You, when you say sand Hills, I'm assuming golf is involved. Uh, come on. Come on. Okay. Yes, how much absolutely. golf? Have, how much golf have you taken in this summer? A lot. Not as much as I want, but a lot. <laughs> when you say not as much as you want. My my goal every year is to play my own ball 50 or more times. Okay. I got a chance to hit that number this year. Now, do you imagine. have a home do you have a home course? Um, I don't belong to a club anymore. That changed when we launched the network and I was living in two places. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do play twice a week with uh, a bunch of guys who I've gotten to know uh in Cartersville and areas in northwest georgia and we play every sat we play typically saturdays and sundays or we sometimes we play friday saturday okay man of my age has a hard time playing three days in a row in the heat <laughs> doesn't stop Gilio and his bad his bad neck yeah I'd, I'd like to see him in that brace playing golf that'd be fun to watch it's, he, he's got his home course so he can just do it whenever he wants in the yeah afternoon. he's talked about us playing we need to do that at some point let's do we'll it yeah, it you've yeah. never you've actually never experienced golf with me no, I haven't. And, and right now I'm trying to stay away from it. <laughs> you, you afraid I'm going to rub off on you? I don't want the Bojangles socks and all that other riffraff on the golf course. If we do golf, I want you to film the swing and put it out there and break it down. Now, I'm going to bring, you know, I'm going to bring, I'm going to oh, bring my man. buddy Kyle Wilson, who is right. a huge fan of your show. All right. Who was a collegiate player at Western Carolina. He and his wife, Ashlyn live in the area and they're regular customers to this fine program. Very um, nice. And Kyle, who uh, played college golf with JT Poston, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle is uh, Kyle's a guy that can help you with your swing. All right, I have to so, uh, I have to check that out. All okay. right, so it is list season. Oh gosh, season, but it's also list season. Yeah. Uh, over on CBS Sports, they've been ranking uh, all the Power Five coaches, and they broke it down by conference as well. So you know, I'm not surprised that according to the CBS College Football. Uh, coach rankings that Dabo's number one, third overall. By the way, you know who's overall number one? Nick Saban. Kirby Smart. Okay. Kirby, it's it's Kirby's time, man. It's Kirby's hot time. right now. It's hot for Kirby. Suddenly, suddenly Nick Saban finds himself chasing Kirby Smart, which is that's a dangerous position to be in if you're the SEC when Nick Saban feels like he's not getting his love. Right. So I agree. Very with dangerous that. time. Very dangerous time. So Dabo's number one, not surprised by this. Dave Claus in Wake Forest for multiple reasons is number two, 15th overall from what he's working with, what they've accomplished, et cetera. Mike Norvell has shot up at Florida State. And the one and the reason why I'm bringing I'm bringing up this coach rankings for two reasons. One's local, one's across the ACC. The thing the thing with Norvell is we see this in college football plenty of times where a team will be a year early, right? They won 10 times last year. And and because it's Florida State, just like with Miami, there is a real quick, they're back. They're back. And I still feel like Florida State's still coming out of what had happened post-Jimbo Fisher era 
and things can get away from them pretty quick. Great season last year. It gives you optimism, but I'm not quite sure I'm there yet when it comes to truly accepting Florida State as a perennial, they're back in the mix. All right, but let me ask you this question. Okay. Do you not feel that Florida State's coming out party is different because they actually won some games? Yeah, it is different. Miami, when they were winning games, it was Mark Rick. They lost at Pitt, and then it was Mm -hmm. downhill from there. Yeah. Got smoked by Clemson in the championship game. Smoked by Clemson, and Manny Diaz never had a moment. No. Okay. So then we went to Mario Cristobal to flip the switch. Remember, it was Mario Cristobal was bringing in us unbelievable staff. We're just going to flip a switch. Didn't happen. That didn't happen. So I don't disagree that Miami and Florida State have some similarities to it, but I think Florida State's been building. Florida State's actually done things. Yeah. Uh, Miami lost to Middle Tennessee State last year. (laughs) You could qualify that to Florida State losing to Jacksonville State. Roddy and I did the game in 21. Yeah. Okay? Where the former Duke receiver caught the bomb from Zarek Cooper to win the game. Phil Yall Johnson. I would say this. Miami may make that jump this year. Florida State's already made the jump. I think it's. I think we can talk about Florida State, but we have to be careful talking about Florida State to not put them over their skis. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, oh, they're getting ready to beat Clemson. Like, I'm, okay, I'm not, there. It, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet either. But a lot of people are, and I think you have to be careful. And look, the national side of this house wants Florida State to be there just as much as anybody in the ACC does because they want somebody other than Clemson to be a factor in the ACC race. I would prefer to have Florida State and then somebody else. Can we have three teams in this mix and maybe get it to mid-November where we've got real discussions and real enlightenment and all sorts of things going on? Those last two games we talked about with Carolina, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be good if those were like title fights going down the stretch in the ACC? Yeah, Sure it would because it would help this league. That's another thing, too, getting back to the start of this conversation with North Carolina, why it's beneficial for the ACC for North Carolina to actually be good and have those stakes going into the Clemson game. They have a very likable coach in Mac Brown, and they have a NFL quarterback prospect question in Drake May, which gets us to uh, the other portion of this uh, this coaching rank. They got Mac Brown at number four four, Mm -hmm. ahead of Dave Doran at NC State at number five. If you're listening on the podcast, you're not watching on YouTube. Here's what the CBS Sports rank of Mac Brown says. It's hard to assess where things really stand with modern Mac Brown. He is one of the few active coaches with the national champion to his name, and he has a Heisman Trophy candidate in Drake May leading his offense at quarterback. The Tar Heels have even made it to the ACC championship game last season. Their first appearance is 2015. But that came after a four-game skid to end the regular season, including a loss to four-win Georgia Tech that had an interim coach. North Carolina's defense looked hapless at times, and Brown's decision to stick with defensive coordinator Gene Chizik seems questionable, although I don't, I don't, I disagree with that. Uh, the unit's improvement determines North Carolina's ceiling. I do agree with that. What I do have a problem with is that they've got Dave Dorn behind Mac Brown, and yes, mm-hmm. there's an ACC championship appearance in there, but that goes back to divisions, and somebody has to represent the Coastal Division. I'm simply going on results at this point, and so far, including the last two seasons, where Dave Doran had five different quarterbacks and five different right. wins, including the last one there with Ben Finley against North Carolina, I would say that Dave Doran's probably doing a better job with what he's got at NC State versus what they've been doing at North Carolina and the results to go with it. Well, and and let's go facts or facts here. We talked about this earlier. Dave Doran, Dave Clawson have built programs. They're decade-plus in now. Mm-hmm. And they have reason for optimism every year in Winston-Salem and now reason for optimism every year in Raleigh. There may be a dip. Sure, that's college football. But in all honesty, there are questions about NC State that you have discernible answers to going into 23. Sure. The the questions you have with North Carolina, you need to see. Mm -hmm. You, You have some idea, but do you have an answer? I think at NC State, you have answers. You just got to execute it. Yeah. At Carolina, you got to find out who that answer is going to be formulated with. And I think that's a bigger difference. And I'll go back to this. Carolina's schedule is harder than NC State's. Mm-hmm. NC State has a little bit different run-up this year. Plus, again, we're investing a lot on the Robert and I, Brennan Armstrong partnership. Yes. And I think that's going to be one of the really interesting things to find in addition to who steps forward with NC State in terms of running the ball and catching the ball. It's funny. 
Same Carolina. Remember those Carolina questions? You had Josh Downs and Antoine mm-hmm. Green last year who caught somewhere in the neighborhood of two-thirds of every ball that Drake May threw, right? Mm-hmm. And now with Brennan Armstrong, you know he's electric. But when Devin Leary was healthy and even when MJ Morris showed flashes, you kind of knew who might catch the football. At NC State, those guys have to step forward this year. They do. Here's NC State's schedule. They start – at UConn, of all things. Well, UConn's uh, applying for an auxiliary ACC membership this year in football. Have they? Uh, this is a this is a, a deep cut. Have they sent any gift baskets to Charlotte uh, for inclusion in the ACC? <laughs> that is, that is really a deep cut, by the way. Look it up. Uh, that was a thing that actually happened. Uh, yeah, they host uh, they host Notre Dame, VMI, and then you send their schedule, and, and which one's a little bit more difficult? I guess it does come down to how things play out down the stretch at Wake Forest is not easy for NC state ever uh, going to lane stadium, not an easy thing. And of course the rivalry game against North Carolina, it doesn't really matter how these teams are playing at that point in the year, all bets are off in that game. So I get your point on the schedule, but back to the, the Anai Brennan Armstrong situation. It, it, I guess I was reading this in, I don't have the magazine on me, but I guess what uh, Athlon had made the point, like, you know, you had a transfer portal situation, right? Where like Anai is, he goes off and Brennan Armstrong doesn't have the same magic without his offensive coordinator. Now they're pairing back up. Let's see if that magic can happen. All that stuff is all relevant. To me, it comes down to, is Dave Doran going to actually follow through on modernizing or changing the offense? Okay. Last year, we spent a lot of time talking about the Wolfpack and Devin Leary and what they had or did not have. And while there was legitimate complaints or criticisms about the wide receiver group last year not stepping up and creating issues of separation, we also understood Devin Leary was a lot more hurt than he was leading on in the surgeries he had this offseason. And now he's going to be a Kentucky and nothing but the best for Devin Leary. He's a good dude. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of complaints about how they went about winning football games. And I sat here and I pounded the table saying, y'all, this is the feature. It's not a bug. NC State wants to win games ugly. They want to win games defensively. Get a, If they walk out of their 13-10, that's what they want to do. That's what they feel they're capable of doing. All right, so you make the change on offensive coordinator. You have a different quarterback in Brennan Armstrong. What was the biggest knock on Devin Leary? Why was he not considered a top ACC guy, despite the fact he put up good numbers heading into last season? Well, because he was a one-way quarterback. He wasn't a two-way quarterback. And we joked about it with him, too. Like, hell, you know, have you have you considered running a little bit more to get some love? And he laughed it off. But that was a real, not a criticism, but the way we looked at quarterbacks in the ACC, Devin was decidedly old school, whereas Brennan Armstrong isn't. And we get back to the running game. I feel like Brennan Armstrong is going to be a featured part of this running game. I agree. And that's totally agree. ultimately going to open up this offense a little bit more because they had such a hard time establishing the run last year. Mm-hmm. That Armstrong's going to have to be critical to that if they're going to get any passing game going that NC State fans want to see. Yeah, I, I think that Armstrong is obviously a featured piece in what they do, both throwing and running, right? Yes, yes. However, let me say this. You wouldn't have brought Robert and I in there to be your offensive coordinator if you weren't going to change your model. I would hope so. Because Robert and I Robert and I is one way. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of eleven personnel and he will move guys all over the place. And you know this from the, his Virginia days and Tony Elliott Bless tried to adapt some of that last year. Yeah. It just didn't quite take and Des Kitchings yeah. was there and Tony and Des were familiar with a lot of different things together. But the Keaton Thompson, we haven't seen who the Keaton Thompson at, at NC State is this year. There'll be somebody that'll be like Keaton Thompson. And the tight ends will play much bigger roles, much more pronounced roles. I, I think NC State's going to be fine offensively. Here's the secret sauce for NC State. In my mind, everybody talks about who they don't have on defense, but look at who played last year in backup support roles and played a lot of football that is on that roster. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the part of NC State now that you actually have some investment in long-term where no matter how many guys – they lose eight starters in a year, Joe. You don't feel as bad about it because they have played with depth now. And that kind of goes back to our Florida State-Clemson discussion. The guys that Clemson replaces guys with have played. Mm -hmm. The guys that Florida State is replacing guys with and backups, I don't know how much they've played. At Clemson, at NC State, to a degree, even with Carolina defensively, 
and it's one of the reasons I would be um, a little bullish on Louisville emerging here because I think Louisville's got guys that have played. It's going to be interesting to see how big a, a factor that is as we get going in this season because I think it's a game changer for two or three schools, to be honest with you. Move on. Big shout out to oh, the, we're in the ACC kickoff zone, right? So you, you know what that means, Wes. Oh, yeah. Oak City sports cards. We need a bit to take the ACC kickoff. So we're actually going to go to Oak City sports cards and we're going to pull some things. Uh, basically, an old dead spin. Let's remember some dudes. Yeah. But I feel like with the players, my my angle is because they do Pokemon cards at Oak City Sports Cards, too. Oh, I feel like we can get some Pokemon cards, take them to the players, and be like, all right, when you go through this pack, who was your Pokemon? Like, what was your what was your move? And I'm guessing there's got to be one guy we run into that will absolutely break down Pokemon ratings. That might okay. be. Yeah, I, I, yeah you're going to find one. There'll be one, one at least. There yeah. will be one. I'd be, it'd be amazing if we found a coach who could do that. But I, I, I have my doubts. I, that a coach is going to be able to break down some Pokemon. Could I saw where a Pete Maravich tall boy Fleer went for a bunch of money last week. Oh, geez. I didn't see um, that. Yeah, a Pete Maravich tall boy Fleer card went for a bunch of money. Okay. So if you could pull a tall boy, I don't care who it is, as a player from the Oak yeah. City crowd, that'd be good. I'd like to have a – I'd like to see the tall boy cards. M- Those most, are cool. Most importantly, you go to Oak City to get your cards graded. So let's say you do have a Pete Maravich. You don't know how much it's worth. So take it to Oak City. They'll get it graded. Also, shout out to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. We've reached that gross time of the summer with storms. That moisture leads to mosquitoes. Uh, You can help keep those mosquitoes to a minimum with Mosquito Authority. They come out, they treat your yard, and that way you can not get swamped like my backyard used to get before Mosquito Authority. And, of course, with Pest Authority, they can take care of all your household needs as well. So shout out to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. When do you start making your when do you start making your cards, Wes? Um, cards are done a little differently these days. Yeah. So I will probably um well, I'm, I'm kind of in preseason mode for the NFL because believe it or not, we play one of those in about three weeks. I was gonna uh, ask what's first, Falcons stuff or yeah, yeah, yeah. college football yeah. stuff. Falcon so Falcons stuff, right? Okay. That's but I've got a, I've got a Phil Steel book in my bag for my travels. Nice. So I'm good. Um nice. Yeah, but really the the college stuff will hit hot and heavy the first week in August. So the material, you get the material put together a little bit and you start building folders and stuff like that. I have a folder for every week of every game. It's kind of gross and geeky, but that's what it is. (laughs) When do you start doing the the opposition research on the Panthers? Oh, God. Um, I'll call a niche. Well, say, there you go. yes. Uh, yeah. Anisha and I'll get on the phone before the last preseason game and start and uh, start declaring who's going to be on the team and who's not going to be on the team. And I'll say, okay, so when Bryce Young starts, and by then he won't be named the starter yet. And I'll say, okay, so when Bryce Young starts. Oh, he's, um, totally, he's totally going to be the starter. He's going to be the it's, starter. It's, it's interesting. We've, we've spent a good chunk of the summer, Wes, talking about the opportunity that the Carolina Panthers have. Unbelievable. Yeah. The, the whole uh, division has it actually, but the Panthers and Falcons are one and two on it. That's, that's where I, I, that's, we're kind of like closely intertwined here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we understand that Tampa's going through it post Tom Brady. They sold out. They, they sold out to do what they did and props to them. They the mission accomplished. They got that yep. Super Bowl. So awesome. But now it's time to, to pay the bills mm-hmm. and Tampa's clearly going through it. I feel like I actually feel like New Orleans is the biggest unknown with the inclusion of Derek Carr at quarterback. But I do feel that the Falcons and the Panthers, who are both in this rebuild mode, have an opportunity to be ahead of schedule in the NFC South that's completely wide open for them. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like the Panthers, you know, the, the whole naming of the starter part, I don't think they're going to mess around. I mean, I know they said what they had to say ahead of the draft, they had to say what they had to say post draft. But I think once they got into mini camps and they talked about elevating McQB one, yeah, right. it, unless he has a catastrophic preseason, I don't think Frank Reich and the crew are going to mess with Bryce Young and his development. I, I'm well, optimistic of it. And I, I would say this: the the NFL has become a little more like college in some respect. They have these open practices and training camps and all that stuff, but in reality, the walkthrough stuff that is close to the public becomes really the installation of the regular season. So mm-hmm. what you see in the three preseason games is basically core base plays on both sides. Um, so I would offer you this, and without knowing Frank Reich and certainly what 
they're going to try and do defensively, they've already got a pretty good idea of what they're going to be schematically and what Young's capabilities are and and who his his best asset on the perimeter, right? Mm-hmm. And how good can they be running the ball type things. In Atlanta, I feel like the multiplicity of what Arthur Smith wants to do offensively will never be on display until we get to the regular season. But you can already kind of see the tiering of the packages. You know, the two tight ends, the one tight end, four receiver, you know, B. John Robinson in a two-back set, B. John Robinson in a one-back set, whatever the case may be. And I think that's what the NFL – you hear all the time it's about matchups, and that's yeah. true. Yeah. The reason it's about matchups, though, is you got to get a guy to a point where he commits his hand to something. That's why huddle late, you know, subs late, all that stuff in the NFL, the gamesmanship of the packaging – is the real difference I think sometimes in winning and losing. Not having a proper two minute drill at the end of uh, at the end of games if you're a Matt Rule led Panthers team. Yeah, that's that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, that kind of thing too. Yeah. You don't take the summer to purify yourself in the fire like Matt Rule apparently was purifying himself in the fire of the Carolina. All all that is for Big Red Nation now, baby. Just <laughs> It's a, as a a quick a quick aside, and I, this is another conversation for another day. <laughs> but why I, not today? But why not today? Right? It's it's peak <laughs> summer radio. I, I do feel that um, that both Colorado and Nebraska teams have had you know ancient success in college football, and they're trying to get back to that. Right? Have have the two coaches that people are going to be laser focused on, but for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. I think Coach Prime. Deion Sanders is going to have the eyes of the college football watching world because of how it's about Deion Sanders all the time and all the time, you know, and how the transfer portal worked and completely remaking that roster and the justification for it. Cause they weren't good last year, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I feel like Matt rules a little bit different because Matt rule is whereas coach, whereas Deion Sanders brings it in because he wants the attention. He knows he's the show. And he thrives in that spotlight. I feel like Matt Rule continues to take unforced errors the way that he's talking at Nebraska right now. And oddly, like still bringing up the Carolina Panthers in his time here as though he had no culpability in what happened. But Joe, Nebraska has bottomed out. Yeah. And in this part of the country, the only thing I can equate it to is maybe Carolina basketball when Matt Doherty came back. Okay. Okay, I mean, but then they hired Roy Williams. Yeah. See, Nebraska's answer to Scott Frost is Matt Rule. But Scott Frost was supposed to be Roy Williams. Was he? Right? Was he? Well, he hadn't. I mean, had he coached there? Had Scott Frost coached at Nebraska in his career? No. Okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Anyway, I I, played there. And then I, he went and coached at a bunch of other places. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I guess there's, I guess and he might've been a GA there or something like that. But the reality is Nebraska bottomed out and the big 10 before Nebraska leaves and goes to another league, the big 10 <laughs> needs to hope that Nebraska is good again. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean before they leave for well, another? You league? never know. I mean, come on. We're talking about, talk about San Diego state sending letters to quit a league. <laughs> Then they can't quit, and now they won't back in, and the league they're trying to quit won't let them in. Come on. Oh, man. it's a, I How love, good? I mean, seriously. I love, of, I love this time of the year. I love this no, time. No, I, lo- I love the fact that a school qu- wants to quit a league, cut their debt, tell the league they're going to leave. The league not going to let them leave. The league doesn't let them leave, but they also won't let them back in. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. What are we doing? And speaking of speaking of league. Rand never sounded better, by the way. Oh, Rand is just I need I need Rand to give me some more music materials, what I need. I I've hey, already let's go. I've already tasked Rand with giving me a local version of that Tennessee Orange song. But we need to call it like Wolfpack Red or Carolina Blue. That'd be hilarious. And we get, you know, a, a love song about, you know, two opposing football fans coming together. Yeah. Yeah. So just like Tennessee Orange is about th- the same topic. My favorite part is how she's a Georgia fan now. Tennessee Orange, yeah. <laughs> right. great. I mean, don't accuse me of hearing that song multiple times to pay too close of attention to lyrics, right? You know what? I heard "Dixie Dan Delight" by Alabama, 
oh, probably 15 times in the last week one way or another. And I was around a lot of Alabama and Tennessee people at the same time, too. So well, it's like, uh, it's like my road trip recently. The only thing that's like still standing in every market is classic rock, right? Yeah, true. And, and I heard ACDC's Thunderstruck in five different metro areas because classic rock stations cannot give up that song. Well, classic rock stations are doing fine, sir. Well, this is true. This is true. They're doing very fine. When when this planet freezes over and the <laughs> aliens come visit us. Somebody will get the Boston album, the original. Yes. Yeah. And they're excavating these cities and they'll, they'll unearth a functioning FM signal. And yes, they are going to hear Boston doing you rock know, and roll band or smoking or more than a more than a feeling. Yep. You know? <laughs> Give me peace of mind. It's like, ah, this is very interesting. The human race, they just wanted some peace of mind. Got That's it. it. Yeah. That'll be totally it. Yeah. All right. In that road trip, all I heard was, you know, I heard FM rock stations. And then, of course, the sports talk stations that I was listening to, yeah. uh, whether it was WIP or uh, DC Sports Talk Radio, a little bit of New York Sports Talk Radio. Ooh. And what's interesting is that we are in, you know, peak NBA offseason mode. Yes. And the NBA this past weekend finally unveiled the long marinating in-season tournament. And I find, I find that the in-season tournament is a missed opportunity. I get what they're trying to do starting in November by grouping these teams into pods and they'll get out of the group stage into a knockout stage. They'll go to Vegas for a championship. They've got a new trophy and there will be a lot of money dispersed for the winners. But am I, Am I crazy to have wanted a much more European-style open tournament that would have involved entities outside of the NBA? Am I crazy to want a G League team or one of these select teams, an overtime elite team, to Mm. enter into this tournament just to see? Who's to say that we didn't get a Duke or a Carolina, you know? Hubert Davis didn't want to go to the NCAA tournament, but would he have wanted to go to an in-season tournament with his group and see how that would play out? To play Sacramento? To play Sacramento or somebody like that? Right, because I do think, I truly believe this. The first couple years of an in-season tournament that involved outside groups, whether it was an overtime elite or a European team or a college team, an NBA team would sleep on them and they would lose. And think about the reaction to that. Think about the reaction of a college team beating an NBA team in an end season tournament. Yeah. There would be. There would be. And it's uh I look, the NBA tournament aside, yeah, it's a long tradition laden event having these end season tournaments in European basketball. Yeah. Why? Because it's a spinoff of the cup play you get in soccer in Europe and in South America and in, you know, uh, the far East, you get it. I mean, they, they play in season cups in both football or in both basketball and in soccer all over the world, except the United States, just like college basketball at the men's level is the last to have basketball left on the planet. Everybody else plays four quarters. Okay. But the NBA to do this is, trying to grow the brand globally mm-hmm. because it may start in Vegas. This event's going to end up worldwide. I could see that because they're already playing like the preseason stuff in Saudi Arabia and the UAE. Yeah. They play the in-season tournament or the in-season doubleheader in London. They do it in Paris. They're going to Germany. Look at what the NFL is doing. Mm-hmm. They're awarding international marketing rights to teams in exclusive countries, things of this nature. That's all the NFL wants to do. They can't play a cup. They've got to play a schedule. So the schedule ends up being in venues across Europe in this particular case. To me, I think it's it's an opportunity for college basketball. But the college basketball opportunity has to be met in a different light. Yeah. Um, I understand why the ACC-SEC challenge is where it is in the calendar. I wish it was where the SEC Big 12 challenge was in January or February, that's where I would rather have the ACC SEC challenge. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, I wouldn't mind playing it intermittently, November, December, January, into February. 
to that end, you know, Mike Krzyzewski recently did an interview with the Charlotte Observer. It's part of a, their summer series of, you know, the legends of, of North Carolina sports. Right. And Krzyzewski had classic passive aggressive, you know, here's what you should be doing with college football or college basketball, basically doing what college football is doing. And that right. the NCAA doesn't have a say with college football. And somebody needs to take that ownership in college basketball and run it like a business. And I completely agree with him. And at the end, he says, yeah, but what do I know? It's classic Mike Krzyzewski, passive aggressive. <laughs> but what do I know? But what do I know? He said, he, you know, he, everything, sir. He has, he is, that is a classic coach K when it comes to the business of college basketball. He clearly has opinions to evolve this game. And I wish somebody would actually listen to him rather than rolling their eyes because it's mm-hmm. Mike Krzyzewski, right? Because right. he has very good points. And you and I, we, I feel like we've been having this conversation, you and I, uh, or with Adam around ACC tournament time about how do you redo this? How do you yep. reboot what has become something that is superfluous at the end of the season? Because most teams already know they're making the NCAA tournament because of the expansion of the tournament field. And it's almost like you have to go back old school. There are in-season tournaments or classics, but there's no stakes. Like, what are the stakes of the Champions Classic? What are the stakes of the Nike tournament out in Oregon? There oh, are the BK80, the 85, that deal, right? Yeah, like, what are the stakes for those types of things? Sure. There aren't any. There's a trip to Hawaii. There's a trip to the Bahamas, and those are good team-building experiences. And even for your fans, if they want to make the trip where they can, you know, go watch a basketball game, and then in a couple hours, that basketball court gets turned into a casino. Like, I get all those things. But I feel like you got to go back to something that had stakes or putting it in an area where it matters to people. That's what made the Big Four tournament such a big deal because people cared at the beginning of the year of beating their rivals or the Dixie Classic way back in the day before things shut down because of gambling. I feel like there's a way to re reimagine the ACC tournament as an in-season thing. Right. I don't know what you end up rewarding somebody who's, I mean, would it be wild? Is my too crazy to think to really get people involved in ACC basketball to have a tournament in January and determine your NCAA tournament automatic bid then? Why not? And then you play out the rest of the regular season. I mean, there's there's all sorts of ways to kind of reimagine this or do you do a tournament type situation where you have your regular season, but you also have games that seed you for a much more compact in-season tournament that takes place in a non-traditional ACC market that would want the ACC tournament, right? Those are the things I'm thinking about here. All right, let me pose this to you. All right. How many national championships has the Big Ten won since they started a conference tournament? Uh, zero? The one, it was... Um, Michigan State. Michigan, Michigan State, thank you. Okay, one. one. How many has the ACC won since they've had a tournament? Well, a lot. that's not, but what I'm getting at what is getting at here? the Big Ten had a formula where they didn't have a tournament. Yeah. They didn't have a reason for a tournament. They were fine playing each other. Why'd they create the tournament? Money. Thank you. Money. So now you're saying the ACC, why not just back it up into January, play it over five days. Mm-hmm. You play it in a neutral site. Everybody comes to that particular site in the month of January. And at the end on Saturday night, you crown a champion, and that'll be the automatic berth. By the way, how many times? Okay, Virginia Tech a couple of years ago in Brooklyn, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Georgia Tech a couple of years ago in the pandemic with Alvarado and Moses Wright, maybe <laughs> yeah, so. The, the, the fluky one. But, hey, man, they won it. Anybody will okay, take it. Okay, anybody, you get one. I mean, they hand it out every year. Somebody's got to grab, grab it. Right. Um, to me, if you were going to do that, if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it, number one, yes. because the timing on this, there is no authoritative rule in college basketball anymore. Why? Because the organization running it doesn't have any authoritative rule. Mm-hmm. Um, just look at the headlines last week in the state of New York. So the issue now becomes take the tournament, back it up into January. Could you do it realistically for television? I don't know that. I think you could. I mean, I you don't even have to have a singular tournament. Who's to say that, I mean, if you really want to get creative with it, I think we've talked about this in the past. Uh, I'm pretty sure Gilio and I have talked about this, and I can't remember if it was his idea or something we just kind of goofed into. But why wouldn't you just have the the split ACC, 
right? You have you have a, an original member ACC tournament, and you have a Big East tournament, old Big mm-hmm. East member tournament. Sure. And they they happen in completely different locations. You can have a, a classic ACC-type tournament in January featuring the ACC teams somewhere in North Carolina. Do it in Charlotte if you want. I don't care. I know Luke DeCock is screaming, bring it back to Reynolds Coliseum. That would be great. And that the old Big East teams have a tournament somewhere in the Northeast corridor, preferably MSG, if there's a it's, break in the schedule. And then the two champions meet somewhere yeah. where there's like a, you know, there's a game that gets played, you know, based on the better record of who gets to play where. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the, the pandemic taught us that there is such a thing as flexibility in scheduling. I have to be so rigid, both in football and basketball. Mm-hmm. And there's a missed opportunity. If, if, if Jim Phillips is going to kick off ACC kickoffs commissioner forum, talking about revenue. Well, there are ways to entice the television partner you have in ESPN to give you more money. You just have to get inventive. And I feel like presidents just act as though, well, no, you should just give us more money because we're your partner. Well, what are yeah. you going to do for me? That yeah. makes it much more incentivized. So we'll yeah. see. I agree with that. And I think, too, the curious part about all this, and I, by the way, I'm with Luke on this. Mm-hmm. 75th ACC tournament ought to be in Raleigh at PNC. Yeah. And the Tuesday and maybe the Wednesday ought to be at Reynolds Coliseum. I like that. The, tu- the Tuesday for sure. Oh, easily. The, win- yes. the Wednesday potentially. I like that idea. I and like I'll it. leave that on that table there. What's up next? What's up next? We'll get to some Hey Joe questions here in a little bit, but we want to shout out Hometown Realty. Check them out online, myhtr.com. I think our goal this summer is to at least get somebody to buy a house, sell a house with Hometown Realty. Uh, and we know that in this market, we hey, look, man, you know, the ad's got to Send pay. them a cup. We're going to send them a shirt. We'll send them a hat. We'll put stickers on their mailbox. We'll put, yes, we'll put stickers in your mailbox. <laughs> you will have a cup waiting for you in the fridge uh, when you buy of that your house. new home, yes. Yes, yes. That's what we're looking for. But no, we know this area is very, very competitive. You need somebody uh, who's going to be out there looking out for your interests, and that is where Hometown Realty comes into play. Check them out at myhtr.com. And I don't know, we're sitting here cooking up new new contracts for the ACC. Maybe Whitaker and Hamer, who's they've looked at the original grant of rights. I heard right. that I heard that interview. It that was really good. We're trying to get to the bottom of the updated grant of rights which apparently nobody has seen. Uh, but but in the meantime, if you need somebody to hammer out some some contracts for you, take care of your legal issues, Whitaker and Hamer's got you. They got locations across North Carolina. Check them out online at wh.lawyer. Again, that's wh.lawyer. And hey, shout out to NEW Network mm-hmm. for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington, newilm.com. Jim Roberts, uh, who we've chatted with here on this podcast, is singularly focused on making sure that those that are looking to start up, those who are interested in the area that promotes growth of the business and networking, right now, Wilmington is not just one of the hottest places in the state. It's actually one of the hottest places in the country. Uh, they've got an event coming up on July 13th. So you can go to newilm.com. NEWILM.com. This uh, this web this seminar that's taking place on the 13th is about media, startups, taking advantage of it, interviews, making sure that these things happen in a marketing sense to better get your message out for what you're doing as a business. So again, big shout out to Jim over at Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington. Ready to answer some Hey Joe questions, Wes? Let's go. Let's do it. Shout out to Oakwood Pizza Box. Check them out online at oakwoodpizzabox.com. All right, let's get to Mike on Twitter. Hey, Joe, can we discuss grocery store self-checkout etiquette? Should the 10 items or less mindset apply? That's a good question. I tend not to do the self-checkout because it's not so much that it's 10 people. I feel like the issue, Wes, is that folks suddenly get they get stopped up at the actual checkout process, you know, like how to pay. That's and that ends up like then something that the light goes on and somebody has yeah. to come over and help them. We got to validate the beer, got to validate the alcohol. Or or worse, you get vegetables or fruit, and you oh, can't the code the, the code number. You don't know the code. You can't whereas the it. person who's working at the checkout register knows the code by heart 
So yeah. if you need three bell peppers, well, they can just boop, boop, boop. It's done rather right. than searching for bell. And then that always happens with me with onions. I'm like, well, where's the red onion? They have the white onion. They got the yellow onion, but I'm buying a red onion. Where's the red onion, Wes? So these are all issues you have to deal with. I would say the conventional cashier mode is preferable. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. All right, let's go to Alex on Twitter. What's the best and worst case scenario for the ACC oh. next year? Uh, in football? Yeah. <clears throat> the best case scenario is in mid-November, you got four teams in the top 15. Okay. That's the best case scenario. Uh, you're going to lose one in mid-November. You might lose one in another one late November, but you're going to end up then with a potential top 10 ACC championship game, which would almost, I think, assure one to the CFP and one to the New Year's Six. Mm -hmm. If the ACC were to get two in the last year of the conventional CFP uh, before we get to the expanded field, I think that would be a very, very good thing for the following year. Absolutely. I have a galaxy brain worst-case scenario for the ACC Hmm. in that it ends up being a pretty solid year for the league, and they've got – you know, teams in the top 10, teams in the top 15, but none of them are in the top four. Yeah, you got – you have a one-loss team and you have five two-loss teams, right? Or yeah. Four two-loss really? teams. Like, we can all objectively say, man, this is, this yeah. is a good season of football for the ACC. And it'll be killed nationally. It'll yep. be just killed. Because they didn't well, have – Well, it's going to be killed – let me tell you this. It's going to be killed in September if it doesn't go well. Oh, if – yeah, if North Carolina loses to South Carolina. A&M you know? beats Miami. Yeah. LSU beats Florida State. Yep. Minnesota beats Carolina. Oh, the ACC's out of it. They're done. Out of it. They're out, out of it. And yeah, it's get weird. ready. I, I, I bring this up because I feel like it, it kind of ties into the conversation we had last week with the passing of Dick Sheridan, uh, the old NC State coach. And mm. that, you know, Gilio and I kind of got caught up in the nostalgia of what college football used to be. Right. Not in this area, but in general, where you could win eight times, nine times in an 11-game season, go to the Peach Bowl, and everybody's happy. Yep. Right? And I feel like the ACC might find itself in a situation where you have a lot of programs that should be happy with the year and a good bowl game, but because there's no college football contender, it's now suddenly, ah, it's a terrible, terrible season of ACC football. Were you entertained? Did you have some good wins? Did you beat your rival? Did you like, that's, that's how it should be for like 98% of college football programs, but the college football playoff has completely morphed that into the beast that we have today. Yeah. It's, it's a machine. And the expanded playoff, this, this is a big year for the ACC in terms of groundwork for the expanded playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of show your value. I would also say big year for the Big 12, big year for the Pac-12 in that light, too. Yeah. We'll get out of here on this from uh, from Ed, Ed Tech Kaniac. <laughs> hey, Joe, let's say the Canes partner with Sportsbook X. Is that this mean, a question or a dissertation? This, I don't, I'm not quite sure. Let's let's play okay. this out. That means right. that NC State would have to agree, right? Would that mean that the Canes and State would share ad revenue and so on? I'm wondering about the pragmatic aspects of what this means for revenues and partnerships. That is a okay. that is a great question as we get ready for our new world of legalized sports wagering in the state of North Carolina. Is that Canes like a sports book within PNC Arena? So I feel like there's. There's going to be, there are some questions that I don't know the answer to. And this actually is a very good question because I don't know the parameters of it. I think there's a couple of things going on. There's the official sports book of PNC Arena and who manages the sports book inside the arena, the lounge, if you will. And that is a centennial authority situation. Which is not NC State, right? Which is, well, I mean, it's it's the partnership. Right. right. Yes. Yeah, the- and I would imagine that NC State, because they share the building, would get. I feel like I'm going to have to text Philip Isley about this, uh, who heads up <laughs> this Italian authority. Uh, you know yes, what? You I'm going to have to call well, him after the show. Yeah, Ed, we're going to have to take a 20, convert it to a full, and Joe's <laughs> going to call Philip Isley, and we'll get back to you in a future edition. Yeah, well, I was going to say, we will revisit this one because now I, I'm, I have questions. Because if it's this, the Canes that put like you know, a bet MGM on their helmet. Well, that's all Canes. This is okay. That's all Canes. Oh if the Canes gosh. knock out an arrangement where they put a bet MGM or whoever it is on the dashboards, okay, that's the Canes. If the sports book is operating during a state basketball game, 
and I, it would it would have to because you can still bet on college athletics. I don't know who that money goes to or how it's split up. I'm going to have to ask questions. And I guess we'll have to find that out once they actually knock out a sponsorship arrangement, which we don't know the answer to that yet. Uh, well, I'm guessing by the end of the summer or maybe before the Canes season, we'll get an idea of who exactly will be running that thing when they launch it. I think you should send Ed a sticker, a cup, a shirt, and a hat <laughs> for the most complexing Hey Joe question to not get answered, but yet produce other questions that hey, ultimately lead to Philip Isley's appearance on this show. This is, hey man, this is this is why we love our listeners. They make us think, Wes. Uh, they make us think. Keep us on our toes. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you, man. Thanks for hanging out today and co-hosting uh, when you're, uh, as things start to ramp up for you in the summertime. If it weren't for the NIL opportunity to be a part of the obvious and Jillian, I would not be doing this. <laughs> Enjoy the coffee. Thanks. And, I'll, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks in Charlotte. See you in Charlotte, boys. <laughs> Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.